welcome back to the Root Issues Podcast, where we're gathering around the table to bridge the generational gap and discuss the root issues of our culture. As always, I'm Brian Matthew, and with me is Pastor Steve Woodrow and Pastor Chris Henderson. And, uh, you know, we're we're here as a midweek gathering, a midweek boost. Good, good to be here. Welcome yeah. back, Brian. Jolt. Yeah. Midweek yeah. jolt. That's right. Jolt. Absolutely. Uh, and Brian, I, think I will have to say, but as we get started... Uh, uh, I'll be thinking about you when I watch my Astros in the first game of the World Series. I know that Ouch. your Dodgers, <sighs> it just couldn't quite make it. It's the only time I'm going to be rooting for the team that beat us. Go Braves. I know. Oh, there, the there's got to be some Atlanta fans out there. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we're here. We like to have fun to chat, but also to um, you know, recollect what, Steve, what you taught on Sunday and, and just give some more thoughts and uh, to dive in, really, what what this lo- would look like. So, uh, would you mind giving us a recap? Absolutely. Um, you know, we dove into the last letter of the seven in Revelation. We're excited. Next week, we dive into it, start to get into the um, throne room and the, the main bulk of Revelation. But we uh, looked at this letter of the Church of Laodicea, and so let me just read that for us. Um, we talked about this this idea of of mild approval. It's a big question, isn't it? Is as we evaluate ourselves, our Christianity, our faith, our church's faith, uh, boy, would mild approval or loving adoration define us and our church better? And uh, and that self sufficiency and a lack of dependence on God are, are the really the big factors that move us quickly into, as we'll see, what happened with the Church of Laodicea, into this place of, of lukewarmness, a lukewarm faith. And with that said, let me just read the text here. This is uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse, starting verse 14. Jesus says this to the church, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy for me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself with the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous, repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear. The Spirit says to the churches. So uh, some pretty sobering words there of evaluation, right, to, uh, to the church and for us to really think about is obviously Jesus, uh, we, we see clearly what he thinks about lukewarm faith, right? Um, and just a little history, uh, again, just a background here, but Laodicea was a part of three sister church, three sister cities. Um, Heropolis was across the valley and they were famous for some healing hot springs and you had Coloss just 10 miles down the river and they were famous for cold fresh spring water. And there was no natural water in Laodicea. So Jesus uses the natural uh, uh, aspects of a city to ring home this strong spiritual message. So by the time the water got to Laodicea, they brought it in with aqueducts. It was warm. It was uh, putrid. Some say that it was terrible. And so uh, Jesus was really giving a very vivid picture of what he despised, what he didn't want for his church or his people, which was a lukewarm faith. 
Um, and he goes on, you know, talks about this idea of buying from him. Uh, in the history there, is, uh, Laodicea was famous. It was a very wealthy, sta- uh, wealthy city, famous for their black wool. Uh, they were the best dressed in Asia. It was part of their reputation. They were wealthy. They had their, all of their banks were solvent and um, healthy there in Laodicea. And they were famous for this powder that they, and medicines. And so they prided themselves on their, on their medicine and health as, as well. And Jesus uses each one of these things to say, no, you need to be buying from me, right, these things. And we can kind of uh, look at those here as we move forward. But. Uh, that's just a little background to get us get us going here. You know, the interesting thing uh, stuck out to me. You said the word they're buying powder from them, and they're like, "Oh no, buy from me." I, I was having a conversation recently, especially people in Aspen were more dedicated to pray for powder, which it's good. It's great for our economy. It's great for our town. It's awesome to ski or snowboard in. But the idea of lukewarmness, like I, I was talking to someone, and they saw in our town the people are more apt to pray for powder than they are to pray for healing, pray for our government, pray for anything, really. Yeah, isn't it interesting that one of the the only time we ever see anybody talk about prayer is that pray for snow, right? You see it on bumper stickers, you see it. But, you know, it's it's fascinating, isn't it, is we're not going to pray for slushy, lukewarm snow. (laughs) Who wants to ski in in that, right, in that uh, slush? We want that fresh powder, that cool, refreshing powder, right? So, yeah. What else you guys got? I, I, I just throw it your way here to maybe get, we get in this. Uh, this idea of, of mild approval, lukewarmness, is such a, a defining thing for our, our young generations right now. I mean, every stat out there has, you know, you've heard this terminology, um, moralistic, therapeutic deism is how they define so many young people's faith. Moralistic in the sense it's just a it's just a code of ethics, right? Therapeutic in the sense of, oh Jesus is you know, is there to kind of be my therapist. You make me feel better. And deism means that God is off removed from us. He's not intimately powerfully, visibly manifest in, in my life. And and that defines again just another way of defining lukewarm faith. Uh and uh, a mild approval, and boy, that just has a grip on us. Um, just some thoughts on on that, uh, you know, uh, as we think about this passage in this letter to the church. Yeah, <laughs> you look like you're about to say something. So I was waiting. Uh, <laughs> Deep in thought, just keeping that look um, for the entire podcast. Now, I mean, can I say it out loud? I'm like, do we not call each other out enough in accountability? for when we are maybe operating out of a lukewarm faith, when everything collapses around us and we throw our pity parties and we whine and we complain, do we not ever just say, yo, bro, where's your faith? You know, where's your hope? I mean, I don't know. I just feel like there's so much of the culture that says that's politically incorrect Mm -hmm. to call somebody out, to hold somebody accountable to a standard, that if we're a Christ follower, we are never to be without hope. Jesus is our hope, and that can never dissipate. That can never run dry. And so looking at it in that, it's like when I look at, like, you know, basically like high school, middle schoolers, they have a hope, but yet, you know, the stats are showing that their hope for their future that's coming is less than any other generation before had. But I don't know if they know how to connect that hope to their faith or to Jesus and so, yeah, I do. I mean, like we've talked about, like, the Gen Z movement has really been tagged as, 
you know, those that are in apathyism. It's a whole new ism of just being apathetic. And that would definitely be lukewarm. And so we could say, I, I think what you're saying is obviously that we, we, as believers, we shouldn't be without hope. But boy, yeah. what we're seeing today, especially among our young people, is is they they are. They're struggling deeply. Yeah. And obviously the COVID, everything we're in here just yeah. magnifies all this. Uh, what do you guys think? What, what, in light of this letter, what do you think? How how do we how do we do we move someone from self sufficiency, a lack of hope, mild approval, lukewarm faith, to, to be alive, to be a spring of living water, like Jesus promised? Well, so one thing I was reading uh, earlier um, <clears throat> from Romans five, kind of just talks about the idea, like, and I've read this um, through social media and stuff, but it was. The idea that millennials and younger haven't really gone through a lot of like financial struggles. There's no need for a dependency on God to, to provide, to show up. To, um, you know, we haven't gone through like a Great Depression or World Wars or, you know, things like that. Um, so Romans 5 talks about, you know, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And that's awesome. Like, I, I think everyone would agree with that and... You know, it's that idea, oh, yeah, God makes me happy. He brings me peace. But it's, you know, verse 3, he goes on to say, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And I feel like that part's kind of being missed as far as we want comfort, and we want things to be given to us, but... I mean, when we read the scriptures, at least for me, it's when those times of discomfort, times that we stretch ourselves for the gospel, that we put ourselves out there, that we see God show up. It's that, you know, you talked about the dependency on him. Right. Instead of the dependency, dependency on whatever it is, you know, therapeutics, right? whatever it is. Ab- absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, in light of Romans and tagging what Chris said earlier, you know, I, I think I, I think I gave this first out on Sunday, but Romans fifteen thirteen, I think is our prayer. This is where we should go. I, I just think we should all put this on our hearts. And boy, what a great place to start. Uh, I've even shot that out this morning in text to my kids and a few others to say, look, I'm praying this morning this over you. And Romans uh, 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I mean, that, that little verse has everything in there, right? There's the prayer is that we know, as Chris said, we are to be people of hope. We're to be the light of the world, the soul of the earth, all these things. But boy, we know reality is so many are struggling with hope and that witness. Well, here's our prayer. And the prayer is that may God fill us, right, with all joy and peace in believing. In other mm-hmm. words, faith itself, that believing, is the Greek word for faith, for, for uh, pistua, you know, to believe. And uh, that's a gift from God uh, itself. In, in, in our faith, as our faith rises, as we're praying for people, as our faith rises, joy and the fruit of the Spirit, peace would rise in them. But it's by the power of the Spirit of God that we may abound with hope. Jesus said we'll be streams of living water, right? Abounding, overflowing with these things. And, um, and so it's a beautiful place to, 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 to start, I think, just Romans 15, 13, over each other, over our families and, and others, when we think about a place to start to stir our, our souls for hope, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. You sure? 
Yeah, okay. I was, I was going to make another Dodger comment because I blazed over that at the beginning. <laughs> uh, we digress. Uh, yeah. We digress. Um, I mean, and so, like, you know, I'm, I'm, like, throwing it out there, like, as far as holding each other accountable. Like, you know, you know, the church had become lukewarm. The church was not dependent on God. The church was caught up in their own self-sufficiency. Well, they had absorbed, right, the spirit yeah. of the city they lived in. Yeah, right? the city just, that it just totally, like, we got it all. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I look at, like, you know, trying to encourage and hold people accountable, I'm, I'm just drawn to Ephesians 4.29. It says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, Amen. as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we shifted and were a culture of encouragers great. to encourage people on in their faith. I mean, we can come in with aid. We can come in with assistance. We can come in with support. We can come in with discipleship because I really like, you know, you always say that so many of these problems can be fixed with discipleship. You know, if you're in a group that's holding each other accountable to like, brother, are you living the faith? Are you really dependent on God or have you become dependent on yourself? Are you lukewarm in your faith? Are you sharing your faith with your children? Are you showing your children the works of God throughout each day that you live? Because then you're on fire because... The way I kind of tie this in is when I look at our young adult and our high school, middle school culture, when I was listening to this message, the main thing that just kept resonating with me is who are their heroes? Mm -hmm. Who in the faith is living that? Holding accountable with grace, holding accountable with encouragement, pressing them forward. Who would they say their heroes are? And are they living a life that is already lukewarm? Are they living a life that is cool and refreshing to the culture and setting the world on fire for the love of Christ? Yeah, and, that, and that's convicting, right? Because it comes right back to us. Oh, absolutely. Right? In the sense of if the younger generation, or I can just say with my own children, if they're lukewarm, mm-hmm. I, I have to start with me. Mm-hmm. Right? I have to start with me. And that's uh, that's the whole point of these letters. Jesus yeah. writes to the church. You got to start there, right? We need a, a renewal, right, at the core of of who God's people are, uh, before we can, right, start moving out towards people and helping them, right, with with their hope it, itself. And so it is ultimately a, a question that we all we each need to process first. It's like, wow, where, where where is my dependency on the the power of God, the Spirit of God? for everything that I, I'm, I'm doing for my life, this abundant life that Jesus, right, um, promised us. Uh, everything in our lives, right, for the most part out there, uh, pushes us, influences us to depend on ourselves, even more right. today than ever before, right? Social media itself is a tool of just, number one, of just completely numbing somebody's soul from really asking and wrestling with the big questions of God. Now, granted, there's some good stuff out there, but in general, right? Uh, the num- the stats, I don't know if you guys have these, but somebody just shared with me recently the amount of hours that uh, that we are spending on media now is staggering, mm-hmm. right, versus um, obviously in good, healthy conversation, in good, in prayer, obviously, in time alone, being be alone with God, right, all these things that are n- necessary for us to be live with God. Hey, I want to throw out there. Why I, do we always have to say there is some good out there? So... Well, there might be. I mean, well, we're trying. I, I even like this, right? We're putting a podcast. <laughs> That's out true. There, you right? can't. You is, can't. Well, I don't see this podcast as social media. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, yeah, it's media. It depends on how we use it, isn't it? <laughs> oh, no. 
But this is uh, a guy named Jacques Ellul. He uh, was a brilliant French sociologist. And uh, I just want to read this. I think it's important maybe to think about, to get a little framework of how we view society and this big struggle of, of dependence on God as we move towards technology, as we move towards you know, advancement as we think of as a culture. Well, are we really advancing or, or are we just becoming more self-sufficient in, in thinking that somehow that is going to lead us into a golden era? We haven't seen that yet, not seen that in all of history. And so this is what he says. Just listen to this. He argues that most cities are built by human beings as part of our attempts to live without God. Cain, in the very beginning, was the first city builder. He is running from God. He wants a godless existence. Elul argues that most cities are built out of our rebellion against God, built to nurture our independence from God, built without reference to God who has the right to intervene. To paraphrase Elul, it is only in an urban civilization that we have the possibility of saying God is irrelevant. The whole goal of the city of man is to be able to say, we did it ourselves, we did it our way, we made it on our own, we have need of nothing. Now this goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel, right? Uh, it build this tower to God, we can do this ourselves, unite together, be self-sufficient, um, we can do this without God. And we see that just permeates um, all of uh, the city life, you know, uh, and, and that affects all of us. Uh, more than we realize, I think, when it comes to this idea of really dependence on God. Um, I think we said on Sunday, right? When was the last time we really had to, what was the last thing you really had to depend on God for? And even when it comes to our health, that's probably the biggest one today when our technology runs out, hits a dead-end road when it comes to the, to the medicine or whatever it can offer us. Well, then maybe we start to turn to God, but we have to check ourselves. When it comes to health issues, is God the first place we turn? Is prayer the first place we turn? Or is it to, uh, you know, uh, the medical world? Uh, and and these, each of us need to be asked these questions ourselves. And any wonder maybe why we don't see the manifest power of God move, well, if we're not hungry for him, if we're not dependent on him, as we talked about, we see all in Scripture, God goes, as we're going to see at the end of this chapter, Jesus knocking at the door. He's not barging in. Uh, uh, that's the amazing thing. He's looking for an invite. Is who who are for our own personal hearts, for our church? Do we want the presence of God? Do we want the gifts of God? Do we want the Spirit of God? Do we want the Father's love? Are we willing to open wide that door for Jesus to come in and commune with us? You know, or are we just leaving Him on the outside? And do we even really think about right the active presence and power of God in our personal lives as well as our church? Well, I think so. Something that I, I've read is the millennial generation is the last generation to to know what it's like to not have technology, but also to see the full effects of technology. Yeah. Um, but now any generation, you know, next generations are all fully uh, immersed in technology. And, and like you're talking about, the dependence on God is, uh, I feel like it's dwindling because their dependence on technology is increasing. Um, so I guess my question would be, what what is a, a good answer response to that because now i mean to withhold technology from your kids feels yeah. almost like you're withholding a part of society <laughs> right. from them you know they're 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 not experiencing it but like is it a full avoidance is it an integration like you know and i've actually heard this cool story of a pastor who incentivized his kids by saying uh either you have a, a smartphone that you pay for 
or if you choose not to get a smartphone, you can have a regular cell phone, you know, flip phone, whatever it is. Um, I'll buy you a car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it, all that's good. I think we have to think seriously about this and uh, about technology. The problem today is, right, our ki- everything's on your, f- uh, your schoolwork. You, you need it for, for so many things. Uh, the one thing I would, that we wish we would have done better is uh, in our home is at nighttime, no cell phones, no computers in the room, is that those things are put away, locked away, whatever it is, but they are reserved for the kitchen table or a public area. In our bedrooms should be books and quiet. There should be no internet. There should be no technical engagement in our bedrooms. That should be a time for sleep, rest, and reading and prayer. And if we can model that, right, um, and I'd say the TV, any screen time, just take the screens out of the bedrooms. That would be one simple way of really helping. And, of course, we have to walk them through that why that's so important and again we have to model it ourselves mm-hmm. right for them you know in that those areas so that'd be one thing on that technology and we have a lot of work to do i think in, in really understanding you know all of that um I, but somehow we have to pull this glorious call of jesus I, i'm standing i'm at the door and we have to hold this to our children our young people is god wants to come in mm-hmm. he wants fellowship and and, uh, you know, I think as I look at it, um, and this be my kind of last thing here on this one, I think, boy, what are the barriers right to this door? For, for why would I not open the door to Christ? And, uh, I, I mean, obviously for someone who doesn't know Christ, they don't know he's knocking. So they need someone to tell him that God wants to come in, right, and, and offer the gospel. But uh, those who do know him, who are struggling with hope, who are struggling w- in a, a mild approval rather than getting this taste of the glory of God and, and uh, loving adoration, uh, I, I think I, one is just sin, right? Sin will be a barrier, is that when we give ourselves to idolatry or something that we want more than him, and that could just be screen time. I want my screen time, and I'll give God maybe five minutes of prayer, but I'm going to give five hours to my screen. Right. Well, what does that says? We just have to be honest back to what Chris is saying of calling each other out, being honest. This, that's, that just shows you don't want God. You right. want your screen. And, and so we have to eliminate that barrier. Um, well, you know, go ahead. Kind of my point to bring up technology is, you know, it, it seems almost like abuse if you don't let your kids have any kind of technology. But I, I, I feel like parents today are more hesitant to remove screen time or to give screen time than it is to give the gospel. Like the gospel's not number one on what my desire for my kids to have. Right. It's right. easier to remove than screen time. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You know. Um, and again, this is just getting down to watching over the souls of our children and ourselves. Is boy, am I really in touch with? Am I in love with Jesus? Yeah. Do I do? I, where's my heart with Christ? Where, uh, you know, um, boy, what is going on with my affections? And am I growing in my adoration of God? And we, each of us, need people to show us and lead us right, right into those things. Um, the two other great walls, barriers, I think, to not opening this door to Christ is, you know, obviously shame and guilt are huge. And uh, um, if we're just going to hold those away in our heart somewhere and not bring them to the gospel, then um, you know, that's going to be a barrier you know, that keeps us from um, letting in. And, and I think that's one of worth is just that maybe I don't feel worthy, and that's just a lie of the enemy that will keep us. And the final one is just all the voices back to technology is we have so many voices, and if we 
don't give time to, to God, then we're gonna we're gonna miss Him, you know. And that and the consequences of that are are are, are pretty severe, as we just read here in, in Laodicea, right? Yeah. So, well, uh, anything else, Chris? You got something? Yeah, I just wanted to say, <clears throat> you know, in the process of like making the transition. I think the biggest thing that you can ask yourself and you can ask others is kind of rephrasing the question a little bit to what were you dependent on God for today? Yeah, that's great. You know, just at the end of each day, just reflecting, like, was I dependent on God for anything today? Did he cross your path? I mean, every one of us face problems. Every one of us faces some type of drama or some type of decision that we have to make. And if you can't come up with at least one or two things that you were dependent on God for, then you might be thinking like, oh, wait a minute, hold the brakes. You know, like maybe I need to be more dependent on God. Maybe I am moving so easily through life, which then could point back that you're not challenging yourself in life to where you need to be dependent on God. And then you can definitely say, I'm in a comfortable place, which might mean... Not to shame anyone. You might be lukewarm. <laughs> Man, I, I hope that's not the case. Hope, hopefully, through these podcasts, you're uh, getting a little more excited for, for the gospel and a little more hungry. Uh, you know, that's the point of our Wednesday podcast. We hope that's it. And you realize it's a love story, right? From the beginning to the end of this Bible, and, and even in Revelation, he's taking us to that marriage supper of the Lamb. He wants to come in and dine and have an intimate relationship with us. So that's our... Uh, that should be our heart cry as we uh, talk to people and lead them right to that fountain of all life. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. We have an email address, rootissues at ccaspen.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. <laughs>